adversity, bring it. The struggle, I welcome. Snooze on life, never let it. I am Dave Regina, and this is the No Snooze Podcast. Come on. Welcome back, No Snooze Podcast, episode 168. As always, I'm in the booth with a new three. We have Christopher, the streak, worth, Claudio, the voice, Valenzuela, and I am Dave, the body, Regina. Christopher Worth is a professional speaker, author, coach, and podcaster. He is the founder and president of No Quit Living and the Positivity Tribe. Chris works with sports teams, individuals, schools, and corporations to help them become more successful, productive, efficient, and effective while maintaining their positive mental advantage. As one of the top mental performance coaches and speakers, Chris inspires his clients to take action and go for their greatness. His four core principles focus on accountability, mindset, leadership, and culture. Chris is the host of the No Quit Living podcast, which has been rated a top 50 podcast on iTunes in three different categories, business, health, and self-help. Christopher Worth, welcome to the podcast, my brother. I appreciate it. I I think I'm going to bring you to do the intro everywhere or just have you record it and then I'll just play it. So let me ask you this, CV. All right. Because this is now like the 10th person who said that when I read people's bios, I don't know if they're just blowing smoke up my ass, but they're like, you know, I I think it's a good uh, it's a great sound. I want you to read my thing. And nobody has hired me since. (laughs) That's the problem. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you this. So having been introduced on podcast, on stages, companies, corporations, 99% 99% of people have either a piece of paper or their phone or something, and they say, I'd like to welcome Dave Regina. They don't even pronounce your name, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You're like, Regina, like, oh, Re- Regina. <laughs> he is a father, and, and they read it so poorly without any emotion that nine out of 10 times, you don't even want to go up. You're like, <laughs> you're this like, is you terrible. So, so you do it with enthusiasm, and you actually care, and you actually spend some time actually looking at it. So yep. for anybody that has not followed up, you definitely need to follow up with Dave. Let's his go. rates are $1,500 per introduction. There we go. as his agent, I take 43%. Oh, wow, wow, wow. There's the businessman in you. Um, so, you know, I like to explain the nickname thing right from the start. So the streak, right? I gave you the nickname, the streak, because my man has worked out an absurd amount of days very consistently for approximately, very specifically, what? 1,860 today. <laughs> yeah, this is... This is absurd, right? So I work out a lot. I work out, uh, last year, I think I took maybe 18 days off for the year, something like that, which was like a personal best of mine. But you have done 1,860 days straight, which there's 365 days in a year. So how many years is this, bro? It's, I think, five now, give or take. Do you not get sick? I I don't understand. I I get sick and and because you gave me that... I was so super curious as to what nickname, because you said when we were talking, I have one. So I was like, all right, this is going to be, I thought it was going to be something along that, but I was actually in the ER like four years ago. I had a really bad kidney stone and it was in the morning. So I took off from the gym, 
um, and went to the ER and just was feeling, you know, to the point where I don't work out and go to the ER. I didn't know what it was and got some medicine. And later that night I got, I got out at like four o'clock and that night I went to the gym and I had to, had to keep my streak going. Wow, dude. So I, I have, I think I have one that beats that. I really do. So I got a colonoscopy. CB remembers this. And I rode the Peloton <laughs> after the colonoscopy. I waited about three hours. This is a true story. Bro. Oh. But I, it was, I, was, I was in the zone and I'm like, colonoscopy is not going to put me out. And I want to make it a little more challenging. So I'm going to ride the Peloton while so I sit. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I'm going to sit all down. All the workouts I, you could have done. Like, all right, what's the one I sit right. on? So my mental, my mental advantage and my mental toughness, I like to say, is pretty, pretty up there. You know that poor, uh, that poor seat. <laughs> oh, <laughs> had to get watched after. <laughs> um, so I guess I, I like to start just for myself. Forget the listeners. I'm selfish. My podcast. Um, and my rules. But um, talk to me about your routine a little bit, man. You know, like I know it. it it starts an absurdly early time during the, the middle of the night is what most of us would call this. What does your wake up look like in your routine going through the day? So it's interesting that you, that you preface it that way. I am just a creature of habit and I've always been able to be an early person my entire life. My dad still jokes about it, that I was always his project guy. So I started a few years ago at 6.30, 6 o'clock, 5, and it kept on getting earlier and earlier. Um, earlier this year, I switched my wake-up time to 2.59 a.m. just so I can say that I wake up before 3 a.m. Now, yes, it's 60 seconds before, um, <laughs> but then I have a pretty strict routine, get up, get dressed. I get to the gym by about 3.30. doesn't open until 4. I have a morning routine I do in the car. I do journaling. I have a prayer that I do. I look at my, I have a clear planner that I uh, put together a couple of years ago and I go through that and I do some reading just to get myself ready and in the mindset. And then from four to six, give or take is workout. I'll do a, a sauna at the gym. I shower and then now I go home and do the cold plunge um, and then jump in a quick shower after that. And then I'm at the office by seven, seven thirty every day. And for me, the biggest thing is the idea of control of controllables. And you know, this being a, a parent and having a job, once the day starts, whether it's seven thirty, eight o'clock, eight thirty, depending on your job, you don't have control over everything. Emails, phone calls, people coming to the office, having to reschedule things. So for me, I realized that that time, and that's why I've pushed a little bit earlier is the only time during the day that I have a hundred percent control over. And candidly, there's nobody that's texting me and calling me at four o'clock, four thirty, five o'clock. So it's almost that peace of mind where I get to start my day and it's bookending your day, the evening routine and the morning routine. Cause those usually are two areas, even with kids that you have some time to yourself when you're not getting pulled in 30, 40 different directions. And it's not easy. It's not fun. And there's never a day where I always want to get up and always feel amazing. But it, as you know, someone who's a creature of habit yourself, you feel so much better throughout the day when you've won that morning. And there's all those sayings that win the day, you know, starts by winning the morning. And it's something that I really love. And even when I travel for work, staying in hotels or staying at colleges, I still try to find or not find, I, I make that time to, and sometimes it looks different, but it's always that routine that's just allowed me to really go into my day feeling like I've absolutely had five victories before it's even started for most people. 
Wait, I got questions. <laughs> I got questions. <laughs> what time do you go to sleep? Yeah, that's that was my uh, like three thirty in the afternoon. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, right. No, so the crazy part is now is the heart of the basketball season, and I work with a lot of college basketball teams, so it's not nearly as early as I'd like to be. Anywhere from eight to eleven. Come on, bro. Is that healthy? Eleven to two fifty nine is not a good sleep. But it's and. and it's also not healthy to go 1860, probably. People but I don't know. Like, are you going to the gym? Or you're not one of these dudes that just walk on the treadmill, are you? Like one incline for like 25. <laughs> yeah, just, you know. Like, like, I worked out today. <laughs> check check the box. Wait, wait, wait. Kill what's, that what's wrong with walking on the treadmill? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so like, does uh, does the workout, though, like, do you have a, a specific structure that meets the, the streak, right? Like... Because you can't just go in there and like stretch and be like, I worked out today, right? That doesn't count. <laughs> no. Right? And, and Do you have and, like a, a thing that you have to like, for it, for it to count as part of this 1800 days? Oh, it, yeah. It, it's minimum of a thousand calories burned. See, this is, this is, this is tough. This is not like an easy workout then. And to your point, as you get older, as you know, you have to change certain things. So, I, I don't really know that, Chris. I'm very, I'm well, young. I, I meant, I'm well, young. you're older than when I first met you back when <laughs> yes. you were in eighth, ninth grade. Yes, so, yes. Um, <laughs> Dave's actually 59, yeah, but we won't, we won't share that. But, <laughs> but it's also about, you know, just, just making that time where you say, look, I'm going to do this. And as I've gotten older, you know, creeks and things and being a former athlete and playing, playing a way too much basketball, you have to adjust certain things where it's like, okay, I'm not going to bench press every day to the max, but it's what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? And what what's really helped me is is planning ahead. Mm -hmm. There were many times where I kind of would wing it of like, oh, I'm going to do a push or a pull type day and kind of as you feel. But now as I've gotten older, it's how can I be more efficient and effective with my workouts? Right. Uh, but that's the thousand calories, kind of my minimum as yeah, far as- Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, so- Chris actually had me on um, on his podcast last week, uh, so we can throw up that link as well. If Episode four twenty three. Episode four hundred twenty three, which is an, another incredible streak. <laughs> um, it's hence why I gave him the nickname the streak. So you've been open about you know having a a fortunate upbringing, right? You and I both went to like really good prestigious high schools. Um, the paths were a little bit different to get there, but some people, for whatever reason, they shy away from, you know, their upbringing. And what I like about you is, you know, you're transparent about it. You're like, listen, my parents gave me opportunity. Do you think, and now if I, for, I'm asking for me as a parent, do you think that your level of success and the habits that you've kind of created now, um, looking back, the, you know, upbringing played a, a big part in that? Oh, hundred percent. I, and it's, I'm glad that you you prefaced the question that way because having gone to the school I went to and I went to um, a middle school that was was prestigious as well in, in that space, a lot of people don't talk about it. And it's it's kind of like, oh, you know, for me, I love the way I, I was raised. Uh, I have two great parents that are still married to this day. Um, sports was a big thing in my life. My dad was always and still to this day talked about goals and and what I wanted to do. He always talked to me and encouraged me to read books and do other things. It's funny how at the time I was like, absolutely not. I'm not reading. I'm not doing that now. I'm a voracious reader. But it's that work ethic that my mom and dad had. They they both didn't come from a lot, self-made in the sense of of what they did. But I would not have been able to go to those schools if it wasn't for my parents working hard. And and in some ways, I just released an episode, Sacrifice or Investment. Um, I really believe in life, people that are successful 
and you take your definition of success can be can mean different things for people. You have to sacrifice certain things along the way, something you want now or something you kind of want now for some, versus something you really want at a later date. And my mom and my dad worked incredibly hard. My brother, my sister and I, we had, you know, good opportunities. And my dad always said to me that if I did well in school, you know, they would take care of college. And I'm very fortunate in that regard because I have a lot of friends that took many, many years to pay off college and had to do all on their own. So I'm incredibly grateful for that. And I'm very blessed to have the parents that I had and, and still are fortunate to have today. Yeah. I, I love the way you answer that too, because I, I think one of the biggest misses on people today is not, you know, owning their upbringing, whether it's a good one or a bad one. And there is no bad one, but you know, like highlighting certain things that you've learned from a good upbringing. Like I only hope, I was telling you upstairs, like I only hope to spoil my daughter and continue to do that financially, emotionally, uh, any, you know, mentally, anything. Um, so I think having a strong core of, of uh, parents and then now being a parent myself and obviously you as a father, I think that means means so much. But I've had so many conversations with people who are like, they feel like, oh, yeah, I was kind of gifted. No, you're not gifted, dude. If anything, you could have just coasted and you chose yeah. not to. You chose to do the opposite. So I really commend that about you. Um, talk to me a little bit about uh, parenting and fatherhood, though. Father of three, right? Yep. Again, very selfishly here. This is for me. What's the um, what's the most challenging part of uh, of being a dad for you? I guess now, and talk to me about what what the current stage is like however old they are don't you know you don't have to go back years but like right now what do you think is the biggest challenge of being a father so i got three 14 12 and just turned 11 boy girl boy the biggest challenge for me i think now is three of them in three different directions one's in high school freshman daughters in seventh youngest is in fifth they're all involved in in many sports they're all good students thank god um, but it's just challenging with life as they get busier and they're doing more, their school workload is, is pretty high. You know, you had Sean Degnan, who's a, a good friend of mine as well. And he shared that, you know, he wasn't a great student growing up and, and I definitely was not until kind of the college years. I did the absolute minimum just to get by. And I was a fantastic salesman to many of my teachers where I would <laughs> convince them, oh, I was up late last night and I didn't get it done. And they'd be like, okay, you know, get it tomorrow. And I'd have to go find a friend or pay a friend to finish <laughs> my paper or uh, copy off their homework. But um, all jokes aside is is today's day and age is they're doing a bunch of things. It's how do you stay involved? How do you always be there for them for everything they're doing? But then this world that we're in now with, I don't want to say cancer, cancel culture per se, but just it's a different world than you and I were were raised in and cell phones and technology when you and I were in third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, wasn't what it is today. Mm -hmm. And that to me is, is kind of the unknown of what's coming down the line is trying to understand, you know, being a parent, allowing them to make some mistakes and kind of go through life. And I think my parents did a good job with that with me. I definitely pushed the boundaries and I think I did everything to annoy my parents. Um, I think I got suspended and different things at different ages all along. And for me, it's going to be tough to allow my kids to make mistakes because there's that part. And you know, being a father is you want to protect your kids of not having anything bad go on. But I think you would agree that, or at least for me, some of those mistakes and quote unquote failures 
they allowed me to become the person I am today. And if my parents hadn't allowed that to happen, I don't know where I'd be today. Mm. So you kind of walked yourself into into somewhere where I wasn't going to go right away, but you said some, uh, you know, you said mistakes and failures. Is there something that you look back on in your life in terms of, you know, it could be a mistake, a failure, a business failure, an emotional failure, whatever you want to identify, where you now utilize that as fuel to your own fire and obviously to your own mindset of, of no quit living? Oh yeah. The, the divorce I went through, it was uh, about not about, it was two plus years from the beginning to end. It was tumultuous, challenging people that, that were involved, friends that, you know, saw it from the outside and people that really helped me during it. I looked at it initially as something that I failed. I said I was a failure. Zig Ziglar has an amazing quote that I've said probably 500 times in my life is failure is an event, not a person. And I embraced that in essence, failed divorce not as this happened to me and it wasn't overnight and it wasn't immediate, but now I look at it as this happened for me. And my hope is over the next years that my ex and I will be able to have a better relationship, um, a relationship right now. It's, it's kind of what it is, but I learned a ton about me and I know for a fact, there's a bunch of things that I would do differently. I know there's a bunch of things that I would handle differently. I think she would probably say the same thing. But now I'm at the point where I embrace it as the biggest learning tool. And it's a huge motivational perspective and foundation of who I want to become. And I share openly, uh, I think it's important to be vulnerable and honest. There's a bunch of areas that I fell short with as both a parent, as a spouse, um, as a significant other. And I looked at it at the time as it ate me up. It really bothered me. You know, it's hard not to get emotional about it because it, it's still painful in that way. But now with my kids, what I do with No Quit Living, the Positivity Tribe, my hope over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years is they'll be able to look back at this, never celebrating like, yay, our, you know, my parents got divorced. But, you know, dad never quit on anything. You know, dad just worked his butt off he started this company. He was doing this. He did all these things during a really difficult time. And that's not why I did it. That's not why I do it. But at the end of the day, I'm hopeful that that'll be something that they'll be able to look back and and maybe, like I said, 5, 10, 15, 20 years now, be really proud of the person I was and the person I became during a really difficult time. Well explained, man. And, um, you know, I, th I think you just sharing and the, the vulnerability is is an incredible thing and something that like on this platform specifically with no snooze, I've been trying to normalize that type of conversation. Um, I've also, you know, you and I have spoke many times. Um, I've been separated for a year and a half. Um, we have a very good relationship, which I'm very fortunate to, to be in that situation. But, you know, there's a lot of people like you and I were talking about that go through separation, breakups, divorce, um, even the loss of a, a pet, the loss of a family member. Like these are all things that, you know, really happen more than we like to think yeah. and talk about. And there's so many people going through the same type of thing. So I didn't actually even put that together. So you actually started No Quit during one of the most trying times of your life. Started, I started right before, you know, we were having, you know, some problems and it was like perfect timing. Like yeah. as you're about to go through something really challenging, try to launch a business, mm. podcast, do all that stuff. Um, but on the crazy side of it is, 
going back to the idea of it didn't happen to me, it happened for me. I don't know where I would have been or where I'd be now if I didn't have something like this that I was able to pour emotion, blood, sweat, tears into because as you know, going through a breakup and a separation or divorce, it's challenging. Mm -hmm. And when you add a kid to it, whether it's one, two or three or four or five, it's that much more difficult in the sense of just juggling more things. And I look at it now as as No Quit Living and, and the Positivity Tribe were gifts that that whether it was a man upstairs or someone was like, look, universe, here's something to distract you during these tough times where I was able to almost pivot and be like, yeah, this this part here absolutely sucks, mm. but I can spend some time working on a podcast, working on a book, working on a speech. And like I said, I, I'm so grateful that I was able to have that because I know a lot of people and friends that don't have those type of things. And sometimes turn to alcohol or drugs or just other things that maybe are not as positive per se. So I'm extremely grateful that I, that I had that opportunity. And, and you're killing it, man. I appreciate it. No, I, absolutely. I mean that, you know, you really, uh, not every day do you see a, uh, uh, <laughs> a man, no, 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 but a man getting after it and, and doing what you do. So I, I really, uh, you know, commend you for that. I appreciate um, that. Talk to me about positive mental advantage. I like this PMA, right? So is this, is this something that's coined now? Um, <laughs> I can't say that no one's ever used positive mental advantage, but I've, I use it quite often. And it's so funny you say that because I was just working with a company last week and part of the uh, speech I was giving and some of the work I've done with them this past year was the culture and how to have a positive mindset with a culture and how it can really impact. And when you say the word positivity, a lot of people default to unicorns and rainbows and everything's great. It's exactly the opposite. It's during those challenging, difficult times, during a divorce, during a death of a loved one or family member, being positive doesn't make everything great, but being positive and approaching that really difficult time or challenge or obstacle with a positive mindset, the positive mental advantage, I'm 100% convinced it allows you to grow through it, not go through it, but to grow through it and become a better version or person, of, person after the fact. But it's looked upon exactly the opposite where people are like, oh, just be positive. Everything's great. I tried to be positive during my divorce. I'd wake up and I'd be like, okay. And it still sucked. Mm -hmm. You're having to get an email from my attorney or her attorney. And it's like this, 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 these expenses, these me saying, Hey, I'm positive. It didn't get the bill paid. You know, saying, Hey, I'm positive today. Didn't, you know, put out some note to her attorney. It's like, okay, you know, today's a positive day. So we're not going to bring it up, mm -hmm. but it's during those times. And, how do you go about it? Do you look at it as the glass is half empty or, or half full? And I'd be lying if I said every single day it's great and it's always half full. But even during those horrible days and the worst times during my divorce, I still was able to say, I'm going to get through this and I'm going to try to be as positive as I can be. And there were days where that positivity was maybe 3%, 5%. But I always made a, a really conscious effort to say, this is going to suck. This is going to be really hard, but I'm going to get through it the best I can. And it's always putting yourself in that positive mindset. And that's with the athletes I work with, the coaches, the teams, the schools I get the opportunity to work with. It's how do you give yourself an advantage over not not maybe a classmate or a teammate, but the version of you yesterday? How do you give yourself an advantage to become a better version a week from now, a month from now? And I really and truly believe the foundational piece of that is giving yourself that advantage of saying, I'm going to try to attack this or try to go through this 
as positively as I can because doing it negatively or the blame game, woe is me, it's going to make it more difficult. And it's not in any way, shape or form always easy, but I've seen myself and, and time again with clients and friends that it just makes it better. I love the way you explain it too, man. You have a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of simplicity in your explanation, which is critical for people to, to understand. You know, a lot of times we over explain things and then mm -hmm. it like doesn't make any sense and you go in circles. Everything you just said, it, there's a lot of clarity there um, and it really resonates um, well, for sure. A lot of practice going into it because I think as being a speaker and a coach and podcaster, initially I tried to over, over explain and it's yeah, like, yeah. okay, now I have you know, three, four, five steps. It'd be like, okay, the 39 steps to this. And I'm like going through it. And I'm like 28, no, no, 27. Sorry. I've, I skipped 27 yeah. back to 27. And what I've found, I'm, I'm so glad you said that is, is, you know, keep it simple, stupid. I say it to myself all the time because when you overcomplicate things, people don't want to hear, they don't really want to continue to listen. So I've literally taken, I hope some of my best stuff and like condense it, condense it, condense it, mm -hmm. because it's, it's delivered that way. And with social media, people's attention span, they, I've, I know you've heard the idea of the goldfish where it's like, people like, what do you mean? Like goldfish goes in circles and he or she thinks it's a new place because they just forget. That's the same thing now where it's that attention, that, that shiny object syndrome is what's newest, fastest, quickest. And people want to have things that are condensed and three steps or four steps, not 39 steps to this. I'm a big process guy myself, so I've, I've dropped a couple 17-steppers. Um, so I'm try, trying to condense myself. But now it's funny, man. I'll, I'll talk to my daughter, and she'll look at me like, what? So now if, like, I can't explain it to her, I know it's too complicated. Right? Wait, wait, wait till she's, like, three, four, five years older, because then it gets even worse in your mind, because you're like, all right, no, do this. And she's going to be like, you lost me, like, three minutes ago. Right. Like, all right, so all right, you're 9, 10 at the Like, okay, here's the two things we're going to do. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by Lightcrafters, your professional Christmas light installers. Are you tired of spending countless hours untangling Christmas lights, climbing ladders, and struggling to create that perfect holiday ambiance? Look no further. Lightcrafters is here to transform your home into a winter wonderland with their professional Christmas light installation services. At Lightcrafters, they understand the importance of creating a magical atmosphere during the holiday season. Their team of skilled and experienced installers are dedicated to bringing your vision to life, ensuring that your home stands out as the epitome of festive cheer. Why choose Lightcrafters? Here's what sets them apart. Expertise. Their team consists of highly trained professionals who have mastered the art of Christmas light installation. With years of experience under their belts, they know the best techniques and have an eye for detail, guaranteeing a flawless display every time. Customization. They believe that every home is unique and your Christmas light display should reflect your personal style. Their designers will work closely with you to understand your preferences and create a customized plan that perfectly complements your home's architecture and landscape. A hassle-free experience. Say goodbye to the stress and frustration of dealing with tangled lights and malfunctioning bulbs. Lightcrafters takes care of everything from design and installation to maintenance, and takedown. Sit back, relax, and let them handle the hard work while you enjoy the magic of the season. This Christmas, let Lightcrafters be your go-to professional Christmas light installers. Contact them today to schedule a consultation and let the team bring your holiday dreams to life. You can find them on Instagram at LightcraftersNY.
Don't forget to tell them that you're a friend of the No Snooze podcast. Now, back to the epi. Uh, let's stay. Let's stay on the uh, the simple piece. So your core four: accountability, mindset, leadership, culture. Is there one that's more important than the other? Because when I'm looking at this, there's definitely one that stands out to me personally in my my life, um, and it would be leadership. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Because I believe you can fake all these other ones. You can fake accountability to some level. And I'm using the word fake as like, you know, you can get by, right? But like, I feel like I can be accountable to certain things. You know, my mindset, I can kind of fake it till I make it. I could put out a culture that, you know, believes that I'm really about this life. But when it comes to personal and professional leadership, I don't think that that's something that can be bought, even taught to some extent. Uh, but that one definitely holds the most weight to me. Um, just in business, you know, I have a team of, of 25 full-timers as, as we spoke about, um, and they would very, they, they are very quick to know if I am faking something or not when it comes to being a real leader. And what I found in leadership in general is that uh, vulnerability piece and being able to, you know, it sounds cliche, but put yourself in a position like somebody else, right? You, you can never wear somebody else's, sh somebody else's shoes, but really taking time to understand your team and understand where they're coming from and trying to put yourself in their life at that time when they're going through something mm. is a definition and something that I try to lead by example for sure. Um, and then I think, you know, the other things you can do in your life, but you have to be a leader of your own life. So you cannot go ditto here. All right. You cannot say me too. Ditto. <laughs> I agree with everything you said. No. So my big word is challenge. So I'm going to challenge you on this. And and for me, I think it, it leads to good conversations. And I think we've yep. known each other for a while. And I, we have a lot of friends in common where I think you know, we have a lot of the same foundational beliefs and structures of kind of how we do things. So John Maxwell has a quote, everything rises and falls with leadership. I have a quote that I've stolen, tweaked, which is everything rises and falls with accountability. And so to ask, to answer your question about the four, I think accountability is like one A and then like all three of those are like as close to, to yep. one B or um, behind it because it's to me something that I truly believe in. You know, we use the hashtag accountability on a bunch of our stuff, but I really believe that before you can be a leader and you have a team of 25, some people have teams or or divisions of 5, 20, 500. I think if you're not accountable to yourself first and foremost, you can't fully step into that leadership role. Now, that means a bunch of different things to different people. But you said something that really stood out to me in the way you, the, you prefaced it. And I'm not obviously going to say me too, because I can't repeat it the same way unless you go back and, uh, <laughs> and play it for, for us. But I think you hit it on the head where you said your team knows when you're being fake. And the other thing that I'll, that I'll touch on, I, I think you'll agree, is because you have a title doesn't make you a leader. I used to believe back in the day when I was a head coach or assistant coach or associate head coach, like, oh, like, this is my title. Now I'm going to be looked at or the players or the companies like, oh, you're a leader. And what I realize now, and I've seen it firsthand with a bunch of companies and teams, leader 
And being a leader and leadership is something that you're not born with. It's something that you build and you grow just like a skill or a muscle. And I've seen a lot of people that are quote unquote leaders from a title position that their team members don't follow them. So for me, a definition of a leader is somebody that has a leadership role or a position and they have followers, not followers, meaning, okay, I do whatever Dave says, but people that buy into the mission, they buy into the vision and you're a perfect example. And you shared on, on my podcast, how you make time for your team. And, and that's a big thing for me is, is find time versus make time. No one's ever found time. I always joke when I speak in front of audiences, does anybody have an app they can show me that, you know, you can find extra time or has anybody ever made their bed in the morning and flipped over to the pillow and be like, Hey, I just found another two hours. <laughs> you never find time for anything. You either make it or you don't. And you're a perfect example because you make time every week for your employees and people that are on your team, but they know it. And they know when people fake it, like, okay, like we have to sit through this 10 minutes and it's like, okay, check the box. Like, okay, great. And I'll see you in a month from now versus genuinely developing that relationship and letting those people know. And we have an acronym we use for culture and we, we have, you know, the L is love and the R is relationships. And that kind of rubs some people the wrong way when you talk about teams and, and, and being co coworkers where love and relationships, but it's not about being in love with somebody and it's not about being best friends. But when you have a leader that he or her have people that are on their team or part of their sales division or part of their, of their company that they know those people care about them and have a relationship with them, you can substitute the word love versus care. They work harder, they work more consistent, and they don't leave for other opportunities because they really know that those people genuinely care about them. And it's not about, like I said, having love for somebody or being in love for, with somebody. And it's not about being best friends. You don't have to be best friends with everybody, but when you have that relationship and those people know that you care about them and their success, and you know that they care about your success as well, it makes an entire difference. And that to me is the definition of true leadership. People that are doing something together, a mission, a vision, a company, a charity, and they're doing it together versus Dave works for me. He's on my team. It's my team. That that doesn't work for 99% of people. Now, some people just want to go and collect a paycheck and they're fine with it. But the teams that I've seen, companies, schools, athletic teams, when it's the idea of we and us versus me and I, it's a total different difference maker when it comes to leadership. Where does the word discipline fall into this? Like, so for me, I love these, I love the principles and I love the simplicity of it. Um, I think I would have to add discipline somewhere. Does discipline fall into one of these for you? Um, and then I guess, what does the word discipline mean to you? <laughs> Real simple discipline is, is doing the things that you don't want to do, but you know, you need to do them and doing those things, especially on those days or the times when you don't want to do it, whether it's business, family, social, working out for 3,500 days in a row and, <laughs> you know, getting IE. a colonoscopy yeah, yeah. after <laughs> right, biking for, for 17 hours. Um, yeah. <laughs> new streak, no snooze, colonoscopy streak. No, I think it, it's, it's a really good question. I've never been asked that, but I think it's a part of all, it's a part of all of them. 
And I think if you had to, if I had to pick only one, I'd say accountability. Because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know anybody that I look up to, whether I know them myself or I know them socially or on social media or professionally that is accountable. That's not incredibly disciplined. Mm. You know, and obviously discipline equals freedoms, Jocko Willink, and that's a big thing. But whether it's Goggins, whether it's John Maxwell, he's incredibly disciplined in how he does what he what he what he does every single day. Yep. Um, how he speaks, travels throughout the world. So I think it it falls into all of them, but I would say if you made me pick one, I'd say accountability. So maybe I'll add now to be like our five core core. Right, tenets. right. <laughs> What's your dream speech look like? Ooh. Where is it? And who are you talking to? Right? Because you spoke you, you you've mentioned that you've worked with some some big names, right? John Gordon specifically is a, a big one. Um, you do some work with Lou Corrala as well. Um, you know, I know you're attached to some very high-level coaches. So for you, though, what, where is this mm. speech? And I guess who who's in the audience? That's an awesome question. I've never been remotely asked in that, in that form. So I'm going to say take a step back for a second answer the second part first. So who's in the audience? My parents and my kids definitely there. And then the most important people in in my life are there. And then it's at a huge arena and it's an event that No Quit Living and the Positivity Tribe are putting on. But it has some of those people that you mentioned are also speakers because I think a lot of people want to make it about them and that's fine. And I'm not I'm not knocking anybody, but you mentioned some of those people that I'm fortunate to say are friends now. And I'm I'm not saying that bragging. I'm saying that because I earned some of those friendships through relationship building and supporting their books, supporting their mission and message, because I really believe in them first and foremost. I, I never bought a John Gordon book and I know exactly which book I bought first, The Energy Bus. And I know when I read it, I never read it with the idea of saying, okay, I'm going to have John on my podcast a couple of times and have his wife on my podcast and he's going to endorse one of my books. So that's the only reason I'm buying it. I bought it because it was something I wanted to read and having those people speaking at an event that we all put on together, you're, you're welcome. Hopefully you'll be, be part of that as well. But it's, it's an event that changes lives because people connect with people differently. And what I love about the collaboration word is you might say something very similar to me, but your voice and the way you say it might connect with 20% of the audience that I didn't connect with. And then I may say something that is almost identical to you and 20% of the audience might think it's the greatest thing, but you've been saying it for a long time, but because I said a little bit differently, it connects. And that's the biggest thing that I've taken away with some of the friendships I have is a lot of the people in the personal development world say very similar things, but they say it differently. They have a different spin on it. They have their spin on it. And collectively, they can reach a much wider audience. But that's a really, and I know I said it before, but that's an awesome question that I've never been asked. So kudos to you for for that. Well, thank you. I don't I don't ask questions for kudos, but I was curious, you know, my myself, but thank you. Um, so you recently published your second book, The Positivity Tribe in the Locker Room. Talk to me a little bit about the process of writing the second book versus the first one. <laughs> so I think initially I thought the second book was going to be easier than the first, which it's not. Um, but the first one- Why? Why not? 
I think the first time you do anything, you don't really know exactly what you're doing. You kind of have maybe preconceived ideas of how it's going to be. I know for a fact, because I'm an avid reader, in the in my back of my mind, I thought it was going to be easier than it actually was. Mm-hmm. And that that's not cockiness or arrogance. That's just because I love reading and I, I enjoy words. So I was like, oh, I've read a ton of books. This will be kind of easy. I'll just sit down and it'll flow out. And not only will it flow out, but there won't be a lot of editing and changing. It's just going to be really mm-hmm. easy. So the first book I co-wrote with a buddy of mine that we went through the process and so many changes and, and iterations and just learning a lot. And then the second one I wrote with one of my best friends, a gentleman by the name of Fred Cordelbaum, who's the assistant coach at Kansas. It was a fun process because I did a lot of the laying out and then was able to take a lot of the stuff that he's learned. He's been a, a very successful basketball coach at some of the biggest and, and most successful universities, St. John's, North Carolina, Notre Dame, Kansas, at the Naval Academy. And I was able to glean from him the ups and downs and really take a different spin that, yes, I saw myself in some ways playing college basketball and coaching college basketball for a couple of years, but the fact that he coached at the highest level and I wanted to make it simple. So as I'm writing, as we're writing it, there's definitely those, okay, these will be the 14 quotes that I want to use in this sequence. And then in my mind, I'm like, okay, no coach before a game or, or a practice is going to be like, okay, I need 45 minutes of your time. I want to you know share the 14 most important quotes. It's like one quote or one idea. So it's kind of learning during the process and it's a, it's a fascinating experience. And, and I don't know if we talked about this, but one thing that drives me nuts that I see on social media is a lot of these courses where it's like, Hey, become a best-selling author in, in 17 days, <laughs> or, Hey, write your best-selling book in, in three and a half minutes. And they put these courses out and I don't want to knock anybody for, for what they do, but having written a couple books now and just finishing, I just finished the Positivity Tribe for Kids, and I'm writing my fourth book, which is outside of the Positivity Tribe realm. You can't write a best-selling book or a, a quality book in you know three days. Like I saw one course, and I won't say who it was. Is it was pitching writing a book in a weekend. Mm. And again, maybe somebody can out there, and if you can, I mean, please book reach is out. A book, right? It could be ten pages. I don't know. I, mean, I, could, I could squeeze out Big Ten in, in you know a couple days here, Chris. I mean, know? you could probably do four or five pages in the next hour and yeah. say it's a book, but. It, you know, to me, again, it's it's the reality of anything great was not achieved overnight. And I think a lot of the social media puts this image of be great overnight. You know, you launched your, your podcast a long time ago. It took you a while to get to the level you're at now, but people might look at you now and I'm not knocking anybody that they can't achieve great things, but don't look at where Dave is right now and think you can get there just because you like podcast in an hour. Yes, you can get there and, and you want to look up to people and aspire to to achieve great things. But I think we miss with social media, the runway gets shortened from, you know, an actual runway in an airport to like, okay, it's three seconds. And I think that's one of the things that I don't like about social media. I love social media, the, the ability to connect with people literally like we were talking about on your podcast here all across the world. But you can't achieve greatness in five minutes. You can't become the best in you know, a weekend or, you know, one month. It takes consistency, dedication, and a bunch of ups and downs along the way. I like it. And, I, and I'm and i pausing here because I, I've been saying, I want to write a book of some sort. Now, I don't know 
if I want it to be my life experience, because I do have a very unique story. You do. You know, m myself. Um, or is it something that like you collaborate with and I go back and forth, you know, with these thoughts and, and I've sat down now with a couple authors, um, and the, the theme keeps coming up. So like in my head, I'm like sitting here like, all right, man. So I, let me challenge, let me challenge you on this. And I know you're a man of action, knowing your story as, as well as I do. And, and side note, Dave went to the same high school that my brother did, uh, both played basketball a bunch of years apart. So I've actually known Dave, I think back in the Connecticut flame days of, uh, I think you were eighth grade when I when I first uh, knew of you or yes. met you. But bring clarity to Connecticut Flame, okay? That that's actually a real organization. He's not calling me a flame here. <laughs> All right, the organization doesn't doesn't exist anymore. I don't believe, do they? They, they kind of brought names. it back. They changed. Yeah, but it was a very talk about prestigious. I oh. mean, this was a great program. We used to compete against Gauchos. We we competed against Westchester Hall. Everybody in the in the tri-state here, and then even traveled across yeah, the country. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, he's not calling me a flame, just to those I'm listeners, not, you know? I'm 100% <laughs> not. Um, but my my point to that is, and my challenge to you is, I would encourage you to take a, a try with just getting in front of a keyboard, writing some of your story just as you feel fit. And ultimately, you might make the decision that you want to go in a different route, whether it's a fiction or a fable type thing, not your story. But I always encourage people, and, and I had some amazing people that did to me, is is get behind the keyboard. And I think you're going to find that you really like and want to tell your story. Or maybe as you're just messing around and going through the process, there might be something else that hits you. Because I had an entirely different book in my mind mm. when I first sat down before I wrote The Positivity Tribe that kind of took a, a side a side note, but it's coming, it, it's, it's going to be written. It's just, I started the process because somebody encouraged me just to start yep. and it just over a week or so, I kind of made a pretty significant pivot and it helped me. So, so I would encourage you to, to try because I think you'll figure out pretty quickly what you like and what you don't like. And I think that'll guide you into, okay, this is what I actually want to write. Or you might really identify as you're writing it, like, yeah, this is a story I want to tell. Hmm. So over 70% of our listeners, they fall in the age range of 24 to 46 years old, right? Wow. Statistically on like Spotify, yep. iTunes, um, ge real generated data. You speak a lot and I think it's relatable to people who are in the game already, right? Somebody like yourself, somebody like myself, somebody like a Sean Degnan, which is a lot of our listeners, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of our listeners who haven't really taken charge of their life. So give me something for somebody in that age range, 25, 45, to where they know that they want to get started and they want to take control. They want to take accountability. They want to build leadership skills. They want to build the culture. They want to build the positive mindset. What's your message mm. to those people? And I think the timing of it is good because, you know, we're in December here. New Year's coming, and a lot of people, they they lean on, you know, motivation. We know motivation doesn't exist always, but for a lot of people, seeking that motivational boost is something that does inspire them to start. I, I love I love that question and the way you prefaced it. And as you were asking it, I was totally thinking something different, but as you just finished the question, is find an accountability partner. Find somebody that, can hold you accountable. And I, I want to preface this carefully. 
what an accountability partner is not. It's not a buddy, a friend. It's not that person that you always go drinking with. It could be, but it's not somebody that you want to always hang out with because you're your buddy, buddy with. It's somebody in your space that is accountable themselves, that has taken some action. And the reason I preface it that way is those type of people typically have had somebody in their life that have told them about the value of having somebody in their life or the idea of iron sharpens iron or that famous quote by Jim Rohn, you are the average of the five people you spend with, spend time with, excuse me. So I would encourage the first step is to try to find an accountability partner and then have a conversation with that person and let them know, him or her, what that thing or idea or that change or something you want to start, stop or continue and ask them if they'd be willing to help hold you accountable. Because you know for a fact, the easiest person to trick sometimes is yourself. Where you say, oh, you know, like I'll do it tomorrow. And like, oh, I read, like you read 10 pages every day. And if you do eight or nine, a lot of times like, oh, like that's close enough. Not you, but I'm talking about in general. But if you have that person and they're holding you accountable, it's a very different question. Dave, did you read your 10 bit? Oh, no. Okay. You know, text me, you know, show me in your book, you know, the underline, whatever, when you're done, you know, boom, it's the same thing. And I love the question because it is end of the year, beginning of the new year. And I have a goals course that, that I'm launching in the next couple of weeks. And I'm a big believer in putting action behind things. And I have a three-step process. The first process, you have to believe it. If it's, if you really don't believe you can do it, the likelihood of you staying it is going to fall through. Second piece is you have to have a strategy. Um, and the third piece is you have to have that plan of execution, that action. So I think for those people that are looking to maybe change, start, or do something different beginning next year, get an accountability partner. Ask that person if they'd be willing to hold you accountable. But it's not an accountability one-way street. It's it's both ways. So you're an accountability partner for them. So don't just go out to somebody and say, hey, you help me. You make me better. And then that's it. It's let's help each other. And it might take one or two people where someone might say, hey, you know, I'd love to, but I really can't commit to it. And it looks different to other people. Some people meet once a week. Some people meet twice a week. I know people that do it in person. I know people that do it virtually. But it's the the backup, that extra backup of having somebody that you know is going to have your back and someone that's going to really put your foot to the fire and say, hey, did you do that? No. Okay. And it's not blaming them and it's not calling that person out, but it's actually calling that person up. And it's lifting a person up and saying, hey, Dave, you told me that this is what you want help with. The last two days you haven't done it. So how can I do a better job to help you so on Wednesday you don't drop the ball? Hmm. I like it. Um, and I like it because it this is not – that's not an easy task, oh. right? Like to go f actually find somebody, it's difficult. But it's a good analogy – especially if you're starting something new, it should be a little bit difficult. Like it shouldn't be the first oh. person that you think about. Like this is somebody you have to be very strategic about like, okay, obviously you have a relationship with this person, but this person has to really want this for you. Right? Like you might, you might not have that relationship to that extent with that person though. For example, if you have, let's say you were trying to get in really good shape and you have a coworker, obviously you know the coworker and he or she are in really good shape to your point, and, and you talk about vulnerability, it, it shouldn't be easy, shouldn't be simple, but you might not know that person really well. And it's tough to go up to that person at work and say, hey, I know this may seem like a, you know, 
kind of crazy question, but I'm trying to get in much better shape. I know you work out. I know you prepare your meals. You know, I'm wondering if if you'd be willing to help me be an accountability partner to get me back on track. And that person, the other part too, is that person might say no. Right. <laughs> so, so it's not guaranteed. It's not easy. But, and I'm curious to get your perspective on this. Everybody that I know, not people that I don't know, but everybody that I know personally or have a somewhat personal relationship that have achieved a level of success or multiple levels of success, they have all had multiple people in their life that have helped them in some way, shape or form, whether it's a mentor, accountability partner, a coach, family member, friend. And I think those people that are successful typically want to give back. So wanted to encourage anybody that's listening or watching this, that maybe it's somebody at work that you're not really good friends with, go out on the limb. Because I think more often than not, those people have had other people that have helped them over their lives. This episode is brought to you by Hudson Valley Teeth Whitening. Hudson Valley Teeth Whitening is an experienced teeth whitening salon where you can get up to seven shades lighter with just a 60 or 90 minute session in a professional and relaxing setting. They offer the most superior product coupled with the highest quality of customer service available to get you instant results. Whether you have an important event to attend, such as a wedding, birthday, anniversary, interview, or you are just unhappy with the color of your teeth, this LED light technology helps whiten your teeth fast and easy. At Hudson Valley Teeth Whitening, they understand how important your smile is to you. And speaking from personal experience, you'll be guided by highly efficient staff in a relaxing environment to reach your desired shade. Let them know you're a friend of Dave's from the No Snooze podcast and connect with them at HudsonValleyTeethWhitening.com or on Instagram at HV Teeth Whitening. Now, back to the epi. Switch gears with me a little bit in terms of, I guess, business. And you said uh, saying no, right? So that kind of triggered business for me because everybody hears the no, no, no over and over again, right? So you've done financial services for, for a long time. When did you make the decision to say like, all right, yeah, I have my full-time job, but I'm going to start building, you know, this side hustle, which now has become the main hustle for you, which is ultimately the goal for a lot of people. What would you advise to people who are still in that full-time lane, but trying to build a business on the side? And you've been able to do that very successfully now. I appreciate that. I, I would say the biggest thing is to start small. And I think we live in a society now where it's all or nothing, zero or hundred. And I think what I was was fortunate able uh, to do was continue to have my job and spend extra time on those quote unquote off hours. And I know Gary Vee and a bunch of these people talk about, you know, grinding and doing all those things, but some amazingly successful people warn people. And I think a lot of us, myself included, don't always listen that you don't stop your full-time gig or job or career just because you want to do something else or you have a passion for something. You strategically have to balance both of them until they're either close to or at the same level of income or revenue. Because if you don't, or if you just automatically say on a Monday, like, All right, I'm giving my two-week notice, I'm doing this. And all of a sudden you have no money coming in, no investors. It's not going to probably, unless you you know get a huge sale or something. So I had a lot of people that encouraged me to simultaneously do it, but I was doing a lot of it off hours. I was doing a lot of it on the weekend. I was doing a lot of it late at night, early in the morning and, and having kids and being married at the time. 
you know, it's a sacrifice. So you sacrifice an extra hour less of sleep to work on a website. You sacrifice, you know, maybe going out with, with your, with your boys or your friends to work on some of your content. And, and I look at sacrifice as an investment. You're sacrificing something short-term for something that you really and truly want long-term. But I had some amazing people and mentors that helped me during the process. And, and I think, I think I mentioned this before, but success leaves clues. So ask other people that you know in the similar space and say, hey, you know, what do you suggest about this? Or, hey, how did you start this? Did you, you know, on a Monday, give your two-week notice and start? Or did you do it this way? And, and I think there's so many amazing people out there that are successful. And like I said before, that had mentors along the way, coaches. They, those people want to give back. So for anybody that's looking to, to go down that realm, Obviously, you know, you have to have a passion for it or else it's not most likely going to happen. But secondly, I would say, and I would encourage you to try to find somebody that's done what you want to do or they're doing it, or they're at a level that you want to get to and pick their brain. You know, you don't ask them for, you know, mentorship and four hours every week just off the bat, but ask them if, if, you know, you can ask them a couple of questions and I have to be completely transparent. I've had some amazing, amazingly um, successful guests on my podcast that I reached out to them and almost 90% of them respond in a favorable fashion. I don't get obviously everybody all the time. And sometimes you have to wait weeks and months just with scheduling, but those people that are successful want to give back. It's how you approach them and the strategy you use. That's really important. Not, Hey, can I have two hours of your time? That doesn't really work per se. Now I, I learned that sometimes the mm -hmm. hard way with with business and also with the podcast of just assuming that everybody would love to be on the No Quit Living podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm like, great name, it's cool, but I'm like, okay, how can I better deliver this message? So it's you know learning along the way, and I think that's the other piece I would say is be willing to learn mm. and be willing to understand that there's going to be ups and downs, and I'm I'm sure you've seen the that success meme where people think it's just a straight line, but it's like squiggles backwards, upside down. Anybody that's achieved anything great or any level of success, it looks exactly like that squiggly backwards, upside down. I don't know anybody, and maybe you can correct me if you do, that started a, a business or an idea on a Monday and then Tuesday they retired because they were a billionaire. Mm -hmm. It's usually the opposite of, yeah, it was an overnight success. It took me 10 years. Right, right. Um, yeah, and I, I guess I would just piggyback on that in terms of my own personal experience with you know, what, what CV and I do here with No Snooze. I've like... I think the word integration has become huge mm. when you're trying to build something, you know, at first for me, it's a little hard to integrate because I work local government and then here I am on a vulnerable platform that technically at times CV's like, yeah, yeah, you're doing too much. <laughs> Don't share that. Be careful, blah, 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 which is great. But I've leaned into the integration of the skill set, right? So I think it's much harder to build something that's like completely outside of your lane versus for me. I've leaned into podcasting and public speaking and all these different opportunities with brands and businesses and, and going to places to speak because it also helps my full-time oh, yeah. job. So identifying, you know, two or three skills. And I think you mentioned that before of what you do really well, right there. I, my whole life, I've been told that you can talk. Right. And sometimes it's usually get like I sat across with my father the other day, we went to lunch and I said, Dad, you're a great salesman. He said, nobody's better than you, buddy. And I don't even sell anything in life. But like, 
I sold CV on this, right? I got this idea. Like everybody's a salesman in some way, right? Um, so I think so, certain times we we overthink, but the word integration of tying things that you're already doing while you're trying to build something else is something that should not be missed. And oh. I think like you know, it, it's something that that could definitely help people. You know, it's a, a other just as you're saying that really stood out to me. I I've gotten the opportunity to mentor <laughs> a couple people along the way, college students, some some high school, but also professional, young professionals. And the question I always ask is when people are talking about that passion or that, that side gig or a side hustle is, is it something that you really and truly want versus something that you kind of want? And, and I don't say that to, you know, not encourage anybody because I, I love encouraging people. But what I've found is a lot of times people have an idea or a concept and it's not something that they really want. It's something they think they want. And then when they do some of those exercises, and I, I have had some amazing conversations, it's actually like something like one lane over. And when you find that that passion, and I, and I, I pride myself being a positive guy, one quote I don't agree with is, when you find what you love to do, you'll never work a day in your life. And And I can tell you, I love what I do, but I work really hard. And... I love what I get to do and that idea of have to versus get to. I'm extremely grateful for what I get to do, both personally and professionally. But within that, I work incredibly hard. And I know you've built this platform up and this podcast because you've worked hard. I, I know Mike. Um, I actually met him through through you. He works very hard in what he does as well. But when you find that idea or, or what you think you want to do, there's got to be a passion. Now, it doesn't mean you work 24 hours every day and you don't sleep and don't eat. But if it's something that you really and truly don't want, the likelihood of you sticking with it that second tough month or that third tough month, month Andy Frisella talks about all the time, what he's done with first form now, people look at it now and they say, wow, he's lucky. That dude slept on a mattress in a warehouse for a bunch of years. He was making, I think he said, it was like, like $12,000 in like a couple of years. It was like, right? I thought it was 60 grand over like the first four years <laughs> total. Someone, someone can correct us. But again, it goes back to the persona of, are you looking at Andy Frisella right now? Right. Or are you looking at Andy Frisella? And, and, you know, he's a lot. And sometimes his message, you know, doesn't reach everybody the mm. way he talks about. But, but what I love about him is his story. He always talks about it. He never says, I'm here now. I'm great. I just wake up and he talks about those days when he's literally, they were painting lines in a parking lot to make money to cover their rent early on. So him and his partner, one of them would be sleeping while one of them would be literally painting lines with a machine because that's what they needed to do so they could pay their rent, so they could continue that dream and that goal. But, but the reason I share that story is they were so passionate about what they wanted to do that they were able to endure those horrific times of, all right, you sleep for two hours, I'm going to work. Mm -hmm. All right, maybe we both can't sleep tonight because we need to work extra. And it's when you have that passion, something you really and truly want to do, you're able to endure those, you know, incredibly challenging moments. Mm. Yeah, Andy, Andy's a, um, he's one of my all-time favorites, but sometimes it gets hard now because he's, he's leaning into, I think, this new political space. Yeah. Right? You know, whereas like when I'm in the gym now, I like the old Andy mindset, you know, and like, I understand what he's doing, but now I'm like, ah, I don't really want to hear about the politics right now, Andy, you know, and that's just a me on a personal level. And I'd still love to like eventually collaborate with him because he 
he and Ed Milet, you oh. know, I, I always talk about those guys, um, really changed like even the just what podcasting meant to me. Um, and I share it all the time, you know, like podcasting changed my life yeah. and not sitting here talking to people, me receiving the content and then putting it into application in real life. You wouldn't, it, I'm going to ask you a question. You wouldn't, or we wouldn't be here today if podcast podcasts didn't do something for you. Correct. A hundred percent. I wouldn't be here today with you, but then secondly, a week ago, you wouldn't, you would not have been on my show if it wasn't for podcast. Mm -hmm. Curious question, changing the, the yep. scope here, putting you on the spot. What were your first one or two or three podcasts that you consistently listened to that really, really got you going? So I actually remember the specific episode, which is Ooh. crazy. So Ed Milet, when he first started podcasting, he actually used to record it in his closet, right? Like in his bedroom, in the closet, he would say it like, I'm actually in my closet right now. I'm sure the closet's bigger than my whole house, but he was actually was in the closet. closet. <laughs> and he had connected with Tony Robbins and it's one of their first episodes together. Oh, They've wow. done a lot of content, obviously, but I was, I really, and, and this is a, an ignorance to me in terms of like, this is how far behind I was in personal and like professional development space. I didn't even know who Tony Robbins was, dude. And this is, you're talking 2016. So it's not that long ago. Right. But I was going through like a really tough, tough time. I was making really bad decisions in my life. Um, you know, I was going to the club and I was newly married and like just bad decisions that were going on. Um, but I had like already start to re, you know, reach some level of success in terms of business. I was like the youngest commissioner at the time. And I was also at 26. So here I am looking really good in business, but the misalignment in my life mm -hmm. was extreme. And it got to the point that like a lot of relationships in my life were going south very quickly. So I, I remember being on the treadmill um, and I put these guys on That's awesome. and first of all, the tone of their voice, it just did something for me. Right. But I made the decision to stop listening to music and start podcasting. And I just clicked Apple Podcasts. I typed in like motivation, something's that basic. And I somehow came across Ed Milet. And I freaking hit play, man. And it's literally, if you were to look at like my downloads, it's the number one download of show in, hmm. in, on my phone. And honestly, I don't even need to give credit to anybody else because that man specifically changed the whole scope of my life. That's awesome. You know, and, and I know a lot of people listen to Ed Milet, but. It really like the 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 little things that he would discuss about like, you know, just keeping the promises to yourself the same way you would keep promises to other people. That little thought, right, is something that like anyone can say it. But I was in such a vulnerable place in my life. I'm like, yo, I am I'm a fake human. Like I, I say I'm going to do things and I just don't do it. But if I told Chris I was going to do something, like I'd do it. And I, I was trying to find that alignment at the time. Hmm. That's awesome. What about you? Hal Elrod, uh, Miracle Morning. and Who's that? Who's and that? He's, uh, he's written a book called The Miracle Morning. He was a salesman for Cutco Knives, and he got T-boned and should have died, didn't. Wrote an amazing book. And then Entrepreneur on Fire with uh, John Lee Dumas, which, mm, was, okay. which was the first ever podcast that was Monday through through Sunday. Um, and talk about crazy just stories. Um, I was fortunate to have Hal Elrod and uh, John Lee Dumas on my podcast, but I was a, I was a guest on John Lee Dumas's podcast many years ago, which was a just 
awesome, amazing thing. Now he charges insane amounts yeah, of. Just uh, to get but it's the same thing you said, and I, and I loved how you how you worded it. You were at a place where you said the word vulnerable at the time to to receive it. I say the same thing all the time to people: is you can have the best information, the best coach, teacher, mentor, friend, family member, but if you're not in that place that you can receive it and actually hear it and feel it, it's not going to connect. And in no way am I saying that it's not at a later date, but I was at a place where I wanted more. And it's, and it's so ironic that you said what you said about the treadmill. I was on an arc trainer. I used to use the same arc trainer at my gym because just no one was there. And I used to plug my headphones into the TV screen and watch sports center and other stuff or watch, you know, listen to music. And it was just, point in my life where I was like, you know what? I want more, not to the point where I wanted every minute of every day, but like, okay, I maximized, you know, 99% of my time, but I just had that, that I guess eye-opening realization where I said, I'm doing 15, 20, 30 minutes of cardio a couple of days a week after my lift. What if I could better use that time? Mm -hmm. And Entrepreneur on Fire and Miracle Morning led me to a bunch of the other ones, the Ed Milets you know, Tony Robbins has been a guest on so many people, but to anybody out there, other than the no snooze podcast or the no quit living, they have to be number one and number two, <laughs> whichever order you want. People don't realize the value of, of podcasts where, you know, look back when you were growing up and I was growing up, you had to physically go to a bookstore to get a book. And if it wasn't there, you had to order it, which I was not doing ever, which I Never. was not doing Never. ever, but <laughs> I've heard people say, yeah. share it. But then think about this back, you know, 15, you know, not even that long ago, but when there was VHS and DVDs, you had to physically go somewhere and get it. And if it wasn't there, you know, you'd get on a waiting list or try it, try again. Now with technology and podcast, you can in essence have a Tony Robbins and Ed Milet, you know, a John C. Maxwell be a mentor to you. And it doesn't cost you anything other than your time. And John uh, Zig Ziglar always talked about the concept. I'm sure you've heard of it. Automobile University. If you look at the average American, not everybody, but the average American, the statistics of how long you spend in front of a windshield to and from work, obviously post-COVID, it's getting back to, to normal, but it, the average in different places, it's 15 to 15 minutes to an hour each way. So you have the ability to learn and grow from some of the most successful people in all walks of life, but you have to be willing to do it. And you were in that place on the treadmill. I was in that place on the arc trainer. And there were times in my life when people would say, hey, read this book. And I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't do it. Right. I don't regret it now because I wasn't in the place. I would have read that book and 10 pages in, I would be like, yeah, this is not for me. Mm -hmm. But a month later, two years later, you read it and you're like, this is the greatest thing ever yep. because you were in that place to receive it. Mm. I'll let you give the, uh, the final word. Mm. All right. So- Let's stay with the the holiday theme in terms of, you know, not snoozing on life, not quitting on your life. Uh, talk to the person who is struggling right now. The end of 2023 has new goals, new, they're seeking out new things, right? And they just want more. Talk directly to mm. that person, whether that person is driving in the car or that person is walking on the same treadmill that I was in 2016 or that arc trainer or they've been working out or thinking of working out for 1,800 days now? <laughs> Talk to them, Chris. I would say it, it's a, that's a great question to, to end. And, and again, 
I know you don't want kudos, but have, being a podcast host myself and been a guest on many, you have a really good way in which you do it. And I can tell that you spend some time, you know, going through guests and things. So I just wanted to to honor you because I've been on a lot of these and it's very cut and dry, you know, top same five, six questions. So I wanted to, to honor you for that. Um, but real simple, it just hit me as you said it is to that person that you said is either on a treadmill or arc trainer or thinking, wanting to make a change is you have to take that first step. And I know it sounds cliche to a lot of people, but until you take that first step, you can never have a streak. So until you take that first step of going to the gym and getting that first workout and you can't have four good days or five good days. And I encourage you not to look at somebody that is where you want to be, that's been doing it for two years, five years, 10 years, and, and compare yourself today. Compare yourself to them when they started. You can go back and look. For any of your viewers or listeners, Gary V is unbelievably successful today. I went down a pretty cool um, dark, uh, dark tunnel one day a few years ago, and I looked at his first videos from the wine, I think wine library, mm -hmm. wine, wine, um, I think is what it is. Compared to him now, and I don't know Gary V, and if anybody gets this to Gary V, please don't take offense, but his early videos are horrible compared to what he does now. The lighting, the audio, the visual, the way he looked, how he did it. And what he does now is he fills up arenas and he charges in insane amounts of money because he's put in that time and the effort. So the reason I preface that is don't look at Dave and what he's done with no snooze right now and say, you know, I want to do that tomorrow. Go back and listen to the early ones. Reach out to Dave, you know, connect with him on social media, but take that first step of action today and then do it tomorrow. Don't look at a streak, meaning I got to do 100 days today, but you can never get to that 10th day, that 20th day, that 160 plus episodes that you have without doing your first and your second and your third. So take that first step of action today. Find an accountability partner. It doesn't have to be an official agreement. It could be a friend, family member, someone that you know will hold you accountable and ask him or her to really help you so you can achieve what you want to achieve in 2024 that maybe you did or started in 2023 and and make 2024 that year that you look back at this was my my starting point great message my brother um and and thank you for the the compliment it means a lot coming from from you um like we said before you have over 400 episodes so so that really is just uh cv and i getting our getting our feet wet so so bundle up uh, buckle up that's a uh, another misconception here so well, they December, always so, they, so bundle yeah, up yeah, too. but they always make fun of me because like some of these sayings that are so typical i always jack them up and that's a perfect one so i just said bundle up versus buckle up um but chris man really really want to um just highlight you man and, and and i'm happy that we were able to uh to rekindle this relationship and and you know, get get something on the books here. And I think there's a opportunity for us in the future, but I love what you're doing. Um, I'm a big supporter of you and No Quit Living, the Positivity Tribe. Share with everybody, I guess, where they can find you um, and connect with you. Appreciate that. And that means a lot coming from you. Uh, I know it's cliche in some ways to to give kudos to, to the shows you're on, but I love what you do at, at No Snooze. And I think there's obviously a huge parallel between No Quit and No Snooze. But uh, we're all over social media, the Positivity Tribe, No Quit Living. You can find us there. And our website's noquitliving.com. 
and thepositivitytribe.com. And I always give my my personal email address because I love connecting with people. It's chris at noquitliving.com. Love to connect with people. And like I said, I, I've had some amazingly successful people that would give me the time of day. Um, so for me, I love giving back and I love connecting with people. And and I just want to echo what you said is, you know, we reconnected from a good friend of ours, Sean Degnan. He and I did an event last year. I know you guys are are doing your event together. So I, I did want to plug uh, plug that to your listeners and viewers because iron sharpens iron. And if you want to level up and do different things or do things differently, sometimes you have to get outside of your comfort zone. And you would ask me a question to the audience. So I'm going to just piggyback off that again is if you're looking to make that change in your personal professional life, sometimes you got to get outside of your comfort zone. And you guys have an event coming up in February of mm-hmm. 2024. So if you're not where you are right now or looking to to grow or get outside of your comfort zone, make sure you connect with Dave and or Sean and find out more about that event because I think it's going to be awesome. And uh, I can't wait to see what you guys do with that. Thank you, my brother. Uh, truly. Um, guys, we're very grateful for you, whether you listen to one or 160 plus episodes here where we just want to say thank you. Um, happy holidays to you and your family. Um, we hope that, you know, this episode provides you with some value. Please share the show. Um, you can leave us a, a nice little review on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you guys listen to platforms. Um, you can shop the latest merch at no snoozeshop.com. I see you on YouTube. You're looking at this no snooze hoodie right here. Um, so guys, as always, stop snoozing. Get up and get after it. I'm gonna ruin your street tomorrow, man. I might like crash into your car. Thank you guys for tuning in. That's another Epi in the books. You can follow us on Instagram at Podcast and leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to us. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, No Snooze. Shop the latest merch at nosnooshop.com. Come on.